Welcome to Ing Podcast, a production of Menno Media's Leader Magazine. During the global pandemic, we've heard many stories from people who are leading, growing, and being as people of God. Ing Podcast is excited to be part of a series of practical resources created for pastors as they navigate the impacts and realities of COVID-19. We're calling it What Now? Leading Churches Through COVID. I think the challenge has been Instead of turning to each other to say, how do we want to be together in this space and noting that everybody feels fear and sit with that fear long enough to figure out what it is we're afraid of. Instead of doing that, people, uh, many people have turned to almost bumper sticker soundbite. During this podcast mini-series, we'll sit down with the creators and contributors who made this series happen thinking creatively about how faith leaders can nurture their congregations during this unique time. Hello again, friends. Welcome to Ing Podcast. We continue our journey with the What Now series coordinated from Menno Media. We are sitting down over these few months and talking with some of the contributors who helped build this series. I'm really excited today to be joined by Jane Doherty. Jane is the Executive Director of the Center for Justice and Peacebuilding at Eastern Mennonite University. She's done some work in this series around worldviews and worldviewing. And um, I'm excited to get into that a little bit more as our conversation continues. Uh, Jane, though, for for those who don't know you, I'm wondering if you could uh, provide a little insight into how you introduce yourself these days. Hmm. Um, Good question. Um, Thank you. Yes, uh, I, I would say I introduce myself these days professionally as the Executive Director of the Center for Justice and Peacebuilding. Um, I would say personally, I introduce myself as um, a the daughter of a military officer who grew up traveling around and moving a lot, mm. who joined the anti-war movement when my dad went to Vietnam when I was 11 wow. and came back when I was 12 and a strong advocate for um, figuring out how we build a more just and peaceful world. The other thing I would say these days that's on my mind is um, whether we've reached a a tipping point where we might actually consider taking on undoing the military-industrial complex. Mm. Um, I feel like we're at a ripe moment. So I spend a lot of time thinking about that right now. But my research has always been into... um, all the easy cases, haha. <laughs> the places where you get people to the negotiation table and then discover they don't even live on the same planet. You can't even begin to figure out how to get to yes because they don't agree on reality. So what most people call worldview conflicts. Mm. I I think that's probably a good place for us to start. I'm so glad that you brought that to this and I, and that your your work feeds sort of this moment. I'm, I'm really appreciating how uh, our guests so far have just brought their full selves to this project. Um, you know, how we help leaders navigate the uh, this current global pandemic. Why don't we start there and ask, um, you know, why is it important in the midst of a global pandemic to talk about worldviews? So um, when we think of, of worldviews, I, I, I like to say worldviewing because it's actually a process that we engage in all the time. Mm. When we say worldview, it sounds like it's a book that we took off the shelf and it's an entire nice tidy package. 
And the problem with that is then if you want to change anything or something isn't working, then it's very threatening. Mm. Or you have to say, wait a minute, I have to have a mass conversion experience, put this book back on the shelf and pull another book off. Yeah, yeah. And and it's much less threatening to think about the whole kind of thing. If we think about, well, we're always making meaning all day long, right? We're kind of in this constant unconscious process. Yeah. What happens in a something like the pandemic is all of these assumptions that we've been holding about what's real or not real, how is the world organized, what's valuable or not valuable, how do we know what's truth, uh, what is knowledge, and how should we act, mm. all of that's disrupted by this virus, yeah. right? Yeah. All of a sudden, the routine order of our day, the sense of of how things really are and where I belong in it has been turned over. And that's terrifying, Yeah. right? For most of us, that's, that's really difficult to have your whole sense of the world ripped out from under you. Yeah. Now, many people are also finding fascinating ways of kind of saying, wait a minute, I don't think I really want to go back to my office right. on a nine to five and sit in traffic for two hours every day, right? So... Lots of people are reconsidering how the world is organized. What's my place in it? Where do I go? But of course, when that is all disrupted at one time, we feel a need to nail down a sense of order, right? Yeah. We need to then really begin thinking about this. And very often, and what's happening unfortunately now is in our kind of media-saturated world, people are giving easy answers to these complex, hard questions. Mm. And it's so tempting to grab those easy answers, to follow one set of leaders who are saying one thing, and I can tell you how to live in this difficult time, yeah. as opposed to saying, I really need to think this through. I need to think it through with the people I live with. I need to think it through in conversation with my community around me. Um, we should be the ones who are having this conversation, mm. not necessarily pulling answers from some external media person. How do we want to live, right? Yeah, it strikes me that there are some parallels here to faith spaces, right? That that there is a way to um, have a faith that is simplistic, uh, in not evolving, uh, <laughs> short, simple uh, soundbite answers. Um, right. but, but often when you have a faith that's set in that space, something traumatic just shakes the whole system. Right. And, yes. and we don't know then how to move forward or navigate. And I, I think that's what we're watching here in amid the pandemic too, that we thought we knew something and suddenly, uh, you know, just a little bit of a shift suddenly reminds us of how, uh, <laughs> there's more nuance there than we once thought there was. Yes, yeah. exactly. Hmm. And so, you know, and another thing is for some Christians who have been waiting for the end times, then this feels like, wow, yeah. it's here, right? Um, and so that's a different way of sense making, yeah. kind of, of that. For others, I I personally am Christian, but I, you know, don't, that's not the way I'm Christian. Yeah. I'm not thinking this is the end time. I'm thinking, and I'm not waiting for that. So for me, it's around how do I behave responsibly out of my Christian ethics, um, which for me are very informed by Catholic social teaching. 
um, how do I behave responsibly in that space? Mm. And, um, and how do I help my community or engage with others? Yeah. I think the challenge has been, instead of turning to each other, <laughs> to say how do we want to be together in this space how and noting that everybody feels fear and sit with that fear long enough to figure out what it is we're afraid of right yeah instead of doing that people uh, many people have turned to almost bumper sticker soundbite yes right and underneath all of that can be a very similar worldview logic yeah that says you're either right or you're wrong. Mm -hmm. You're either in the good camp or the bad camp. And then a finger pointing. So what happens if we make a problem to be discussed out of the logic of you're either in the good camp or you're in the bad camp? <laughs> what happens if we say we're in a community that's undergoing a huge threat yeah. and we're all afraid, but we're together. We're yeah. a community. Yeah. How do we have a conversation about what it is that's making us fearful? How do we turn off the media input, which is happy to polarize us yeah, yeah. for many of their own reasons and have a conversation yeah. that says, what do we value? Yeah. Often our, our value systems are complex, right? We value many things and then we rank them into a hierarchy of, of values. Yes. So we can say, I value freedom and you're taking my freedom away by not letting me go to church or by asking me to wear a mask or by doing whatever, right? I value community. I want to take care of people. So I wear a mask. So I'm willing to do church online, even though it's no fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> even though singing in my own house um, without anybody singing around me doesn't feel like I've really been to church. Um, so what happens if we say we, we all value freedom and we value community? How are we? We're going to problem solve on a day-to-day, week-by-week basis in response to the COVID, right? Mm -hmm. How do we turn that into a problem we share together and solve? Recognizing that COVID is a virus that's evolving, yeah. right? And so yeah. it's almost like it's a third party yeah. in this conversation about how are we going to live together. Yeah. Well, it strikes me as you're talking to, especially the shift from worldview to world viewing that there's some there's a, a vulnerability that's required to make that jump to make that transition yes. Um, yes. and I think we also for some reason feel like well if I shift from worldview to world viewing I lose the ability to claim something as a value or as some, something is true because if I admit that everything is always changing then it's all wishy-washy and it's all you know ambiguous that's sort of like um, modern fear, right? That, that there is no truth anymore, uh, postmodern fear. And I don't think that's what you're saying. No, it's not what I'm saying. It really is not what I'm saying. I think what it calls us into is sort of a responsible, mature faith mm. that says, I'm a Christian. I believe that, that the Savior came, right? I believe uh, this. And because I believe that, I'm called to act um, in my community in ways that actually open me up to being using reason yeah. and using my reason to hold that community together, mm. right? Mm. Using my reason to build a big circle that embraces all of us, even if we disagree politically or we disagree on things. 
um, not to to let these external things drive this community apart yeah. or my family. Do you listen to this podcast for inspiration on issues like racism, social justice, leadership, and Christian living? Then the Herald Press E3 Book Club is for you. Be the first to read 12 of our handpicked releases throughout the year. Books relevant to you in your ministry, books to equip you as a leader. Use code ING, that's I-N-G, to subscribe to E3 and get a special rate just for our podcast listeners. Visit e3bookclub.com and subscribe today. So I think one of the challenges that people have with um, with science is that for somehow think that science is going to give you the answer yeah. permanently. Science is a process, right? And it's a process of discovery and rediscovery. And as this virus mutates, it, the answers that we're going to be given by our leaders, the people who understand the science, it is going to change. Yeah. That's not because they were wrong in the first place. Um, it was because we didn't have all the information we have yeah. or because the virus changed or because the, the way we're responding to the virus changed the variables that make the, the risk look different, right? I would hope that we would all learn to understand science a little bit better, right? And, yeah. and say, science isn't a single answer that's forever and ever. Maybe it is for gravity, right? Like you can calculate gravity. We, we understand that one. Yeah. But most science is, is actually a process of ongoing discovery mm -hmm. and maybe get a little interested in that process. I love that. You know, I, I'm hearing these stories of great sadness of people not talking with one another. And in this case, there's, there's, there's actual reason to say, you're my family and I can't be with you. Yeah. Because you're not taking the same precautions I'm taking. Or I can't be with you because you have bought into giving up your freedom. I, I don't, I honestly, I have to be clear. I, I can try to empathize and understand all of the worldview perspectives, but I personally believe the virus is real. Yeah. And that there is science, you know, so I'm not claiming some neutrality space. I understand why some people have concerns about the virus mm -hmm. or the immunization or the whatever. How, even if it gets that bad, where I say, you're my sister, I can't see you right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I still love you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Not just family, but, but in our faith spaces too, right. That we, yeah. um, we've been, we talked off mic that we've been assuming for so long that Sunday morning is the time we come together with all the folks we fully agree with, right. <laughs> that our, Oh, that's a myth. <laughs> that our churches are the spaces where we, we, uh, we, we choose our, our like-minded kindred spirits. And, uh, I think what this pandemic has also done is illuminated just how much variance there is in our worshiping committees. So I just had an aha there. Mm. That may be a very um, Protestant or worldview. Mm. As a Catholic, I go to a church <laughs> based on geography. That's right. That's <laughs> and right. And I assume, right, 
that those people sitting right next to me probably don't agree with me on everything. Oh, Jane, thank you so much for saying that out loud. I, <laughs> right? You're right. That is a bias in my own head that uh, assumes uh, that of all. It's a worldview. <laughs> a worldview, it's, yeah. It's how your worldview is shaped by your life experience. Yes. And it's, this is the thing about worldviewing yeah. is we only actually see the depth of our worldview or the actual frameworks and content of our worldview when we encounter someone who doesn't agree with us, mm-hmm. right? Because it makes us go, oh, wait a minute. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't think that. And provides us with the choice too to to double down, to sort of dig our heels in for me to say, no, you're wrong. Catholics also assume that they're all of one mind, right? Or, or to have that shift slight. Well, then there's some of that happening in the Catholic Church right now. Yeah, right. That that kind of drive to purify and 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 say this is the whole Catholic Church. It's a little frightening for me if I were to say if I were to speak honestly. To me, that feels as more threatening to my faith community right now than COVID. Mm. Um, This idea that uh, to be Catholic, you have certain political views, right, as opposed to we're Catholic and we actually have a lot of different views, mm. right? Yeah. We've talked some of the the challenge of this moment and the need to start um, shifting from worldview to worldviewing. Um, is there opportunity in this space as well as we uh, continue to navigate this pandemic? Uh, does it provide us with space to uh, wrestle with some of these things in ways we haven't done yet before? Well, I think it does, right? You know, the whole thing of the pandemic has thrown us all up in the air. Yeah. And and now people, even on a personal level, are saying, I don't want to go back to the office. Yes. I'm rethinking my job. Yeah. There's, you know, as a director of a program on campus, I'm experiencing this, right? As higher education is changing in response, it's been changing considerably, but the pandemic definitely kicked some of the changes into hyperdrive. Yeah. But people making job choices. So I remember reading um, kind of probably as early as February, January or February in Forbes, an article that says, expect the COVID job churn. Mm -hmm. People are going to change their jobs. They're going to want to work differently. They're going to rebalance their lives. And I'm watching that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. As a supervisor of quite a few people. Mm. I think that it is an opportunity for us to rethink yeah. and to say, how do we want our faith community to be in relation to different perspectives and views? Maybe even an honest conversation in Sunday schools or whatever. What values, if we were to list out all the things we value, freedom, connection, love, faithfulness, if we list those all out and start playing with them, which ones do we all agree we want to center? Yeah. Right? It becomes the one that we say our community is built around this value. And then the practical problem solving becomes, what does that look like when the virus is bad? Mm. What does that look like when the virus goes away? (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I I want to make sure everyone uh, heard what you said very quickly just a little bit ago about uh, that conflicts also, not only do they contain differences, they also contain similarities. And sometimes the similarities yes. are at the core of, of what we are navigating together. Can you say more uh, about why it's important to acknowledge that? Sure. I think the biggest one that I've seen in multiple settings is 
holding a similar worldview pattern that says there's good and there's evil. And by the way, I'm not the evil one, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've never, ever, in any conflict I've ever worked with, had somebody start the conversation with, so I'm in a conflict or we're in a conflict with so-and-so. And by the way, we were so terrible and we did awful things and we were, you know, just evil, bad people <laughs> who drove this conflict. Nobody starts their narrative about a conflict that way. Yep. Everyone starts their narrative with, we're in a conflict because those people did this, 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 and this, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we have a conversation that says that's actually a shared perspective Mm -hmm. or logic about the world that we probably should make problematic. We should interrogate it a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yep. And spend a little time talking about that. And what is it as Christians that we're called to move beyond that narrative of holding ourselves as pure and other people as evil. Yeah. Because I don't know what y'all get taught, but I, I was taught that none of us are perfect. Yeah. And that I think because of my tradition, I can't be perfect. I'm not even expected to be, I can Mm -hmm. try Mm -hmm. to be better, but perfection is not a possibility. So that means we can get rid of this good, evil, all or nothing uh-huh. kind of engagement with each other uh-huh. and turn our attention to, so how do all of us imperfect people live together, right? Like with a virus that is intent on killing all of us, yeah. right? Like yeah. how do we do that? It makes the navigation of the world viewing uh, that much more possible, I think, once we get yes. to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Jane, I'm wondering, are there uh, things right now that are offering you hope as you imagine, um, you know, the next few years? So I think the media has a tendency to amplify where things are going badly. But I think if we really looked closely, we'd see that there are a lot of communities and workplaces that are figuring this out. Mm. I mean, I'm so proud to be part of EMU, Eastern Mennonite University. I think we did exactly the right thing. And we are able to do that because of our size and because of our kind of core values and commitments. So there's another university across town that when their students came back, had a huge outbreak, right? Um, Really spiked the numbers, made the national news for how bad things were here in terms of the virus. But it didn't happen on this campus. Mm And I would credit a couple of things for that. One is we asked the student leaders to be fully involved in the summer before everybody came back last year in making the plans for how we were going to live, where we could have uh, face-to-face classes, people could get their education, and we could get flexible to make sure people could still access. And it was really hard work, but we treated the students. We we, we didn't just treat them. We believe the students are responsible adults who are part of the community who need to be involved in the community yeah. decision-making. And so by sitting and talking about what would it take for us to achieve this goal of a positive school year experience uh, where people are not dying and when there's safety and we still get the things we want together, we actually achieved it. Mm. Wow. In, in, large, in large part. 
Um, and I, I think it's because we set the what's our priority. Hmm. Our priority is to be a community that thrives even in this difficult time. Hmm. Right? And that means Amen. everybody has yeah. to make commitments to it. Yeah. That feels um, like a wonderful gift to offer the world too, where we so often say, um, especially in this American culture, um, choose whether you're in or out, right? And <laughs> it's sort of like, if you don't agree, get out. And <laughs> um, that gift to belong to a community trying to imagine together is is uh, hugely valuable right now. Right, yeah. right. Well, Jane, you've been uh, a gift to me. You've offered hope to me, and you've helped me adjust one of my own worldviews into more of a worldviewing. So thank you for your time today, sure. for your offering of these words. I encourage everyone um, to check out the rest of the materials that uh, Jane and her colleagues and contributors have offered to this What Now series. Um, thanks again, Jane. Um, thank you. Peace go with you as you continue this semester. Thank you. It was great to talk with you. Absolutely. As always, we'd like to thank our guests and all who continue to support Ing Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends. We'd like to thank the Showalter Foundation of North Newton, Kansas, whose generous funding has helped make What Now resources possible. Do you have a topic or someone you think should be interviewed on Ing Podcast? Let us know by emailing the Ing at menomedia.org. Views and opinions expressed on Ing Podcast are those of our hosts and guests and may not represent that of Leader Magazine or Menno Media. Today's show was produced by me, Ben Weidman. Ing Podcast is a production of Menno Media, a nonprofit publisher that creates thoughtful Anabaptist resources to enrich faith in a complex world. To find out more, visit us online at menomedia.org.